You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Happy belated birthday to me. Happy belated birthday to me. Happy belated birthday, dear The Melting Podcast. I was going to say, it's not about you. I'm, I'm, I'm... Expressing the love and joy of the Melting Podcast by telling own, yourself happy birthday from its own point of view by pretending to be the Melting Podcast and wishing myself a happy birthday belated because um, it's late. But but then shouldn't it be all of our voices together doing that? If you can make Theo appear, go for it. I could I could call him. No, we're fine. That that wouldn't be good sound quality. No, it wouldn't. Okay. Okay. Happy belated birthday to thee. Yay! Yay! Yay, me, the Melting Podcast. My third birthday. I'm a toddler. Hey, you have kneecaps now. <laughs> I have kneecaps now. <laughs> anyway, welcome to episode 50 of me. Okay. That's gotta stop. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> episode 50 of the Melting Podcast. Third anniversary birthday bash spectacular. Birthday, birthday, birthday bash. Birthday, birthday, birthday bash. I'm A.F. Grappin, your head chef, and also pretending to be the Melting Podcast for bits and pieces of this, I guess. No, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm me. I'm good. This is fine. And who are you? Broken. You, 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 broke, you broke it. I broke the grill mistress. That's Aaron Kazmar, grill mistress. The, the awesome one. The one you all come back for. I'm, I'm shaking my head and making finger quotations right now for the whole, you know, she's not one. <laughs> Awesome. You're not making much sense. I know. It's birthday. I'm... No, it's not. It's belated. Belated birthday. Get it right. Okay, so anyway, now that we're past the craziness. What? I didn't agree to that. We have content for our birthday spectacular. Yes. Even though it's late. Yes. And the sound quality isn't great. Yes. We have stuff. Yes. So I think we need to start... Yes. Now. <laughs> Let's start now, shall we? Okay. Hi, welcome to episode 50. No, okay. Deja vu. We're stuck in a... Twitch, movie. twitch, twitch. There's a glitch in the matrix. Let's start with some Stoke the Fire stories. Please. Okay, let's do this. So we've got three Stoke the Fire stories. One of them is from a brand new word chef. Ooh, yay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and two of them are from regulars. Yeah. So we've got a, we've got a nice little variety here, and these are for prompt number thirteen. Where, Where did, did the, the corn, corn go? go? Bon appetit. Bon appetit. Flyby corn thieves by K. L. Coster. Officer Merriweather, you're on patrol out in farm country, right? Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Not another one. She had learned to fear those words ever since she'd been assigned to the rural route. Any question that involved the words patrol, farm, and country was bound to turn into a headache, mainly because the words tractor, shotgun, and tequila inevitably followed. Arlene, you there? She considered not answering, but a strong sense of duty compelled a response. I'm here, Tom. What is it this time? We got a call from one of the farmers out your way reporting a theft. Let me guess, a tractor? Not a bad guess, he said with a chuckle. 
No, this is about crops, apparently. The guy says a bunch of his corn went missing last night. Missing my ass, she mumbled. Probably got drunk and set fire to his own field. Wouldn't surprise me, he replied. Still, we should at least give it a look. Are you anywhere near the old river road? I'm on it right now. You want any backup? No, I'll be fine, she said with a sigh. Just send me the address and I'll check it out. She jotted down the address and was just starting to write down the road name when she drove past it. One three-point turn, several curses, and a left turn later, she was heading down Cornhill Road, though some joker had painted over hill to make it look like hole. Charming! It was one of those roads one always finds at the ass end of nowhere. The city didn't deem it worth paving, so that meant Arlene had to sit through over three miles of potholes, breathing in the fresh smell of cow manure. She finally arrived at the signpost with the right numbers, and after a long driveway in worse condition than the road, she pulled up to an old run-down farmhouse. She supposed it might have been nice back when the War of Independence was being fought, but everyone who had owned it since seemed content with its decaying state. Ford pickups as far back as the Model T sat on cinder blocks in the front yard, and her arrival was announced by a floppy-eared hound dog. It ran up to the car, bouncing up and down in front of her door, barking excitedly and flinging strands of slobber all over her window. Several seconds later, the picture was completed by a man wearing rubber boots, coveralls, and a straw hat. He ran toward the car, waving a shotgun in the air and yelling at the dog. Get back in the barn, you! He aimed a kick at the dog's hindquarters and it danced out of the way, wagging its tail. The man leaned toward the window, trying to get a closer look at Arlene. She rolled down the window an inch, one hand on her gun and ready to draw. Afternoon, officer. You the one they sent about my missing corn? Sir, please put your weapon on the ground and step away from the car. The farmer looked at her, confused. Then he looked at his shotgun as if just then realizing it was in his hand. Aw, this thing here? He held up the gun. Arlene drew her pistol, aiming at him through the window. Put the weapon on the ground, sir. I won't ask you again. Aw, shoot, he said, lowering it casually. This thing ain't even loaded. He whistled and threw weapon in the direction of the barn. The dog took after it, barking excitedly. There we go, he said. It'll be off chewing on that thing for a while. Kill two birds with one stone's what I just did. He took a few steps back from the car door. So, you gonna come investigate now? Arlene got out of the car, and the farmer held out a dirty, calloused hand. Name's Bob, by the way. Pleasure to meet you. She took his hand, giving it a very brief shake. Officer Merriweather. She let go, wiping her hand on her pants. Do you care to show me where the theft occurred? Sure, sure, he said walking toward the gap between the house and the barn. He motioned for her to follow. I reckon you ain't come across a case like this before, he said once she'd caught up. I reckon you'll know exactly who done it when you see it, though. Arlene didn't even try to listen as she followed him. She just wanted this over with. When they finally reached the top of the rise, the farmer stopped, spreading his hand out as though displaying the grounds of a grand estate. 
Here they are, he said, smiling wide. Here are my fields. You mentioned that someone stole your crops? Sure did. He motioned to a bear patch a short distance away where the rows of corn had been flattened in a circular pattern. Right there. Stole it right out from under my nose while I was sleeping. Arlene jogged down to the clearing for a closer look, cursing Tom all the way. Why did he always have to send her the crazies? At most, this was minor vandalism. Hardly worth the work of making a phone call. Just like I told you, said Bob when he caught up. Now that's thieving if I ever seen it, and I know who done it. Thieving? She turned to face him, raising an eyebrow. It looks like someone took a joyride in your field before driving off. Look again. He pointed at the ground, undeterred. All them stalks smashed into the dirt. You see any corn in there? She took a brief look. There wasn't any. Still, that was hardly cause for alarm, and she was running out of patience. Okay then, Bob, she said, putting her hands on her hips. You say you know who stole it? Tell me then. It was one of them UFOs, he said, so matter-of-fact that he could have been talking about the weather. I can read the internet, you know. I know a crop circle when I see one. You think aliens stole your corn? That's right. You don't believe me? Ask Jesse. He cupped his hands around his mouth. Hey, Jesse! Come over here to the clearing. A minute later, a tall boy wearing the same clothing as Bob and sporting peach fuzz under his nose appeared from between the rows of corn. Yeah, boss? You want to tell this police lady what you saw? Sure thing. He turned to Arlene. I was sleeping on the porch last night and I saw lights in the field. That's a UFO he's talking about, interrupted Bob. Go ahead and tell her the rest. Anyway, he continued, I got up and ran for the field, but I tripped over my pants and bumped my noggin. By the time I got up, the lights were gone. There you have it, said Bob. He woke me up and there was no truck in sight. It was aliens and they took my corn with them. Let me get this straight. Arlene had heard enough. Jesse here sees a light, hits his head, comes to after the light is gone, and you know it's aliens because your corn is flattened and the cobs are missing. That's about right. Arlene could hardly keep from throttling the man. How could he be so stupid? There are tire marks on the ground. Both farmers looked down. Huh, said Jesse. Guess the UFO had landing gear, said Bob. Unbelievable. That's what I thought too, but the proof's right here. Arlene took a deep breath. Why would aliens come all the way to Earth just to steal your corn? Oh, that's easy, said Bob. They were probably flying by when they wanted some cornbread. Arlene felt her jaw drop. Well, I think that's all I need, she said. I'll file a report when I get back to the station. Thank you for your time. 
She practically ran back to the car, leaving the two farmers behind. She'd file the report, but only after she killed Tom. Then she'd apply for a transfer to the city. Anything was better than this. Bob and Jesse watched the dust cloud settle as Officer Merriweather drove away. After a few moments of silence, Jesse spoke up. You sure it's okay to be lying to the police, boss? She wasn't taking this serious from the start, said Bob with a shrug. Might as well have some fun with it. Jesse let out a laugh. Aliens eating cornbread. <laughs> that was funny. That was pretty good, wasn't it? As if some thieving alien would know how to make cornbread. I bet they ate it raw off the cob. Just goes to show, said Bob, shaking his head. Some people don't have the sense they was born with. A series of blog posts on the conundrum of the corn by David Doc Blue Went. July 13th, 2016. Not far from my office, there is a field of corn. Not a corn field. A field of eight-foot-tall, white concrete ears of corn. One hundred and nine ears, to be precise. Or, to be even more precise, there were one hundred and nine ears. I'm pretty familiar with the corn. On nice days, I wander over to the field and eat my lunch in the shade of one of the ears. People say they're all the same, but that's just not true. Each one is unique, just like real ears of corn. Which I suppose I should have thought odd, because who is going to sculpt over a hundred different man-sized ears of corn in concrete? But I never did. The official story is that there were four types of corn represented, and that the whole art installation was a tribute to Sam France, a farmer who developed several breeds of hybrid corn. Honestly, check the web. You can't make this stuff up. But here's the thing. I can't find anyone who actually saw the ears delivered or installed. Everyone around here seems to know the story and knows somebody who knows somebody, but no one seems to actually know. If it weren't for the rumors and the Wikipedia page, you could easily believe they just appeared one day. People don't think about that. They mostly think the corn is some sort of elaborate joke at best and an incredible waste of public money at worst. Periodically, some prankster will paint the ears, but the paint is always gone within a few days. Now that I think about it, I've never seen anyone cleaning the corn either. They're always just there. Well, as I said earlier, they used to be. Tags. Hashtag corn. Hashtag landmark. July 17th, 2016. You know how when you visit a place often enough, you stop seeing it? You're just there, experiencing the place you remember, not necessarily the place as it is now. Well, I think I started taking the field for granted. I'm really sorry about that. I remember on one of my first visits, I took a long lunch and counted all 109 ears. 109. I thought that was an odd number. Not a multiple of two or three or a square number. Nothing that should arrange aesthetically. But somehow it all worked. And like I said, every ear was different. Maybe not if you looked quickly, 
But if you really spent some time like I did, you could see the differences. I used to sit under a different ear every time I visited. I wanted to experience the whole field. But as pressures from work grew, I got lazy. It's an excuse, I'll admit it. But it's also the truth. I got lazy and started to sit under the same ear every time. Unless someone else was there first, which didn't happen very often, as not very many people ever visited the field besides me. My ear of choice was far enough into the field that I didn't draw unnecessary attention, but no further. I internally called it a compromise. I wasn't eating at my desk, so that was good, right? But because I stopped exploring, I stopped seeing. And because I stopped seeing, I don't know when the problem started. You see, when one or two things out of a set of more than 100 disappear, the human mind really doesn't notice, particularly if they are not in immediate line of sight. When this happens repeatedly and gradually over time, quite a few things from that set can disappear before you register, before you really notice. Last week, I finally noticed. So I took a long lunch and counted. 83. I figured I must have skipped a row. So the next day, I counted again. 83. 26 ears were missing. And to be honest, I couldn't tell you where they were missing from. There was no sign of someone removing them. No sign that they had ever been there. And yet the field looked just as full as it had when I first counted the ears. I figured I should tell someone, but I had no idea who. That's when I figured out that no one really knew how the ears got there, much less where they might have gone. I managed to get a patrol car to come out, but the police couldn't find any more evidence that the corn was missing, despite the change in the count, so they didn't open a case. Tags. Hashtag corn. Hashtag mystery. July 19th, 2016. No one else seems to notice or care. So I guess I've made the mystery of the missing corn my personal mission. I've taken to counting every day, rain or shine. Twice on work days, once before work and once after work. I use my lunch hour to look for clues. I spent most of the weekend there. I packed up some food, bought a small tent, and basically camped there until the police chased me off. Nothing. Or, rather, no more ears disappeared. I started to think it was all in my imagination. I considered checking the web, but decided I didn't want to know if I was crazy, or if 26 concrete ears of corn, each weighing 1,500 pounds, had disappeared without a trace. Tags. Hashtag corn. Hashtag losing my mind. July 23rd, 2016. I counted again at lunch today. 79. 4 had disappeared overnight. And yet there were no gaps from missing ears. It was like the remaining ears had spread out to take up the extra space. But there was no sign any of them had moved. What am I going to do? No one else seems to notice or care. But I do. Massive statues are just disappearing like they never existed. I called off sick for the rest of the week. I should probably just stay as far away from the cobs as possible. I have vacation time available. I should just try to forget about the corn. Tags. Hashtag corn. Hashtag no more corn. 
July 29, 2016. You've got to love the internet. I just made reservations at a bed and breakfast right outside of town. Going to spend three days and two nights there. Should calm my nerves. I leave in the morning. Tags. Hashtag mini vacation. July 31st, 2016. I... I don't know what to say. This may be my last blog post. Last night, I settled into my room and slept the best I have in weeks. When I got up, I went out on the balcony to enjoy my coffee and the morning air. I dropped my mug when I looked down into the yard. I've found the corn. Or at least it's found me. Tags. Hashtag corn. Hashtag OMG the corn. Hashtag help. Corn Mother by Scott Roche Mason blinked against the grit that scratched her contacts and swore under her breath about the protective goggles sitting forgotten on her kitchen counter. It was a rookie mistake. She'd been a speculator in this part of Kansas for ten years. It wasn't easy selling land like this. You really had to see the potential made even more difficult by the fact that this had once been her family's land. A blight had killed all of the corn in 2020. Some blamed a secret government virus. Other people said it was all thanks to GMOs. Others said it was simply relying on strains of corn with a single unknown flaw, much like the Irish potato famine. The blight itself might have been around for decades or centuries, then boom. No corn and nothing to hold the topsoil down. The reason no longer mattered. She squinted. She was supposed to meet her next client here. The whine of anti-grav engines filled the already jam-packed air. Neither the ululating cry of the flitter, nor the fine grit, had to really compete with the other, making the already hellish landscape even more grating. The craft landed, and a man got out as quickly as he could. He ran to her, wrapped from head to toe in protective gear. He even sported a bubble helmet. Mix Mason. She nodded. That's me. You can just call me Mason. No honorific necessary. You're Mix Jungbauer? I hope so. The gear he wore must have included a loudspeaker. She could hear him clearly over the wind. Otherwise, I'd have no other reason to be out here. She shook her head extra hard so he could see it move under the kefia wrapping her entire head. Otherwise, I might have to lance you. She patted the energy weapon at her hip. No offense. He held up his hands. None taken. He held out his fist. She bumped it, and the heads-up display in her contacts confirmed from the interaction that he was who he claimed to be. All right, this can all be yours. She gestured with her hand at the vast expanse of nothingness. For the agreed-upon price. He shrugged under the light weight of protective carbon fiber and transparent aluminum armor. Tell me again why this should appeal to me? Your reputation as a speculator leads me to believe you know something you're not letting on, and I will, as you say, reap great rewards. I've owned most of Kansas and Nebraska since 42. 
Five years I've been sitting on this land because a little bird told me the megacorps were working on something big. It wasn't expensive when you looked at the price per acre. When you calculate the total price, well, it wasn't cheap. Let's leave it at that. Now, I know said thing will enable them to reclaim all of this. Whoever owns it will get an unimaginable sum. He stepped up to her. I have a very good imagination. He seemed larger than he had when he first approached. Was he planning something? Mason squared off. I'm sure you do. Let's just say you'll double your money, at least. If you're not a complete idiot, you might triple it. All in a year's time. Little flashes of light came from various points on the gear he wore. I said I trusted you, and I do. I'm curious. Why are you selling out? She rested her hand on the energy lance. She didn't know what he was up to, but she didn't like it. I have my own reasons. I need the cash sooner than I thought. It couldn't be because you owe some people money. You were a challenge to find. Is that because you're really on the run and trying to get off the planet? The light was a pattern. It would have been bright enough for another aircraft to pick up. He was signaling someone. Now, we can conclude our... He held up a hand. Already concluded. If you'll check your personal area network, you'll find our near-field contact transmitted a virus. It's uploaded all of the information and will allow me to take ownership of this land. Mason pulled the energy lance from her belt and pointed it at him. The weapon clicked, but didn't fire. Damn it. I also took the liberty of neutralizing your weapons. Good day, Mason. I've changed my mind. You can call me by my full name. She pulled the obsidian-colored tomahawk from the sash around her waist. It was made of carbon nanoweave instead of volcanic glass. Jennifer Cornmother Mason. She leapt into the air, pushed along by the wind. The blade cleaved through his protective bubble and the skull underneath. Your people stole our land once. I won't let you do it again. Red flashes peppered the sky. The sand around her exploded. Someone up there had decided to open fire, regardless of the chances of hitting their agent. In a very few tense seconds, she'd cracked his armor's onboard systems housing her virtual deed, along with Jungbauer's personal data. Running through the maelstrom, juking as she did, she avoided the projectiles making parts of this desert into glass. Only once she reached the side of the ship did she stop. Whoever was firing on her avoided Jungbauer's flitter. It wasn't locked. He had been sure of himself and his technology. She could use the craft to escape. It would mean staying Earthside. It would mean either finding another mark or reclaiming the land her people had once held. Either way, there was danger. She had a warrior spirit, though, and running didn't suit her. Perhaps a judicious retreat and some time under the tropical waters off the coast of Nevada was called for. There was no extradition, and she had friends there. That would give her a month or two to breathe. 
As the ship screamed into the storm-tossed air, she let out a whoop and programmed the navigation system. She'd need to pick up a new pair of goggles. Judging by the amount of money this Jungbauer had in his accounts, she'd be able to afford them. So that's where the corn went, to all the different places. It was aliens. Y'all. Sure, it was aliens. Y'all. Aliens eating cornbread. <laughs> aliens eating them cornbreads. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I get for growing up in the South. I can do the drawl, I guess. That was fun. Yay, Good country. Good story. We's redneck. <laughs> well, I say we take a quick break for a promo. Oh, good. Um, I like those. And I'm going to run get the cake and ice cream. But So if I'm not back by the time the promo's done, you know how to do this, right? No. You'll be fine. But I'll try. I'll, I'll be back, okay? Just here's a promo. I'll try to be back as quick as I can. Cake and ice cream. Good things. Awesome. Cool. In the Stafford Chronicles, Luke Bertrand is known as the head of the Assassin's Guild for the East Coast of the United States. But long before that, he was a young man in France. In the Deadly Studies series by A.F. Grappin, you can explore Luke's history and see just how a normal French teenager became one of the deadliest people in the United States. A violent murder. A quest for vengeance. A school of killing. The Deadly Studies. Assassin's Victim. Assassin's Rival. Assassin's Mark. And coming in September 2017, Assassin's Lover. Available in ebook at Amazon.com. Sometimes, the only way to get revenge is to become what wronged you. Um, AF? We're almost done. Cake? Oh man, I hope the cake's not a lie. Oh well, I, I, I guess I'm going on, uh, on my own, soldiering on, moving forward. What am I doing? Oh, 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 I know, I know. I should do the thing that I always do when AF's not here. If you don't know what it is, you haven't been paying attention. Botched recipes. Enjoy our shenanigans, please. Hey there, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. I forgot what I was going to say, so maybe you can remind me, because you listen every episode, and I say the same fucking thing every time, so let's take an audience poll. Okay. I don't think they're going to answer. <laughs> yeah, they're, no. Okay, let's try that again. Okay. <laughs> that last bit got the captain's attention, so he brought the ship around in short par par parabolic? Parabolic. Parabolic. <coughs> that last bit got the captain's attention, so he brought the ship around in short parabolic. 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 Why did I... Listen, Theo. In a short, it is a short parabolic. Oh, yeah. That last bit got the captain's attention, so he brought the ship around in a short parab per parabolic. Fuck. Fuck the parabolic. Ow! <laughs> no, this is really starting to make me mad. I'm sorry.
Something jerked inside my arm, and I heard a little plop of a former part of my anatomy hitting the bakken. Bakken? The bakken? What? <laughs> You're trying to say bottom and bucket at the same time? I guess so. Bucket. My mind is four words ahead of my mouth. I swallowed again and tried not to vomit over the nice doctor. Over. <laughs> over. No. <laughs> over. Projectile. <laughs> Hit the nurse. Hit the nurse. <laughs> <laughs> it went into the bucket. <laughs> The waste bucket. bucket, As opposed to the floor bucket. It's a mid-level bucket. Or the Bakken. (laughs) The Bakken. God damn it. (laughs) He stared at me, obviously not buying my witty repartee. Your what? Repartee. (laughs) Da-da-ba-da-ba. Mowage. Mowage. Cheese. Farts. Brown farfs. No. <laughs> Looked like a farfnian. <laughs> farfnian. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that 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 word. Uh huh. Is it just makes you want to giggle every time you say it? And farf. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can say farf later. That's their currency. <laughs> Go die in a farf. A brown farf. I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, what about the ships? They died. In a fire. In a brown farf. Brown <laughs> He hefted this big rifle-like thingy, and he and his partner advanced like they were expecting a squad of Farfnian shark shark troops. <laughs> what? I thought they were crabs. Shark troops. Shark troops. They, maybe they have crabs. <laughs> That's awkward. You're worse than crabs. You're worse than scurvy. Okay, that wasn't an invitation for you to sing. God damn it. <laughs> I tried to peek over the drape, but the mert the merce. <laughs> Not the man the man purse. <laughs> you have just died. Huh? <laughs> oh, I'm done. <laughs> okay. I tried to peek over the drape, but the nurse gave me this dirty look. Just made me think of Merce again. <laughs> oh, honey. Oh, sweetie baby, honey. <laughs> Just hope I don't say first year nursing school. <laughs> the pressure indicate indicator. Indicator. <laughs> yup, he's living in Tennessee. We're in the yokel system. Public yokel system. Southern yokel system. We will rise again. Revolving around the planet of deliverance. I hear banjo music. Don't we all? I'm playing banjo music. <laughs> That's why we're hearing banjo music. <laughs> I swallowed again and tried not to vomit on the nice doctor. Should I put the emphasis on doctor? On the nice doctor. Or vomit. Hmm. <laughs> I should put the emphasis on the vomit. <laughs> He asked, extracting another bit of broken bone from my arm with a jerk and a curse as blood sprayed from his... Yeah. Oh ah! God, it sprayed from his from surgical mask. mask. <laughs> what the hell is that Dr. Smoke snorting? I am a voodoo doll of him. <laughs> he snort you. He asked, extracting another bit of broken bone... Bro- oh my gosh! Why can I not read today? Broken. Broken bro. Get a shot in you. 
Dude. Dude. Broken brony. Nay. <laughs> they were- She kept blinking and jerking her head to one side. I figured she might have nerve damage. Nerve. Nerve damage. Nerve damage. At this point, you're going to have nerve damage. Your burst damage. Get the burst. Get the burst. Nerve damage from your burst. Oh my gosh, I have Swedish chef syndrome. Oh my god. You you mean you actually had it at some point? Shut up, motherfucker! <laughs> Mary, if you're hurting. Aaron's gonna pee. I'm gonna pee. <laughs> bork, bork. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I think Did we... you ever need a recording of hysterical laughter from me? Just have him do that. I bet we can have a conversation. Bork. Now you just look sick. Bork, bork. Bork, bork. Okay. <laughs> I will remember this. Please don't. Ray, there's another cat in that box. You're looking right at her. But I want it to be empty. <laughs> I want it to be me in that box. That cat's not me. <laughs> Here comes me. <sighs> I'm just sitting here thinking, oh my god, I gotta edit through all this. Blooper reel. <laughs> uh huh. Shit. <laughs> no. Oh, 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 heat of the moment. <laughs>
Promo done? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, pro- hey, promo. Aaron? Huh? Were you just running botched recipes? No. Were you embarrassing us while I was gone? We don't need help. You get no cake. I told you the cake was a lie. You can have ice cream. I don't want ice cream. Come on, the botched recipes are great. Oh, fine. Yay! Have some cake. I'm going to go eat now. Bye. Okay. So I guess I'll wrap this up by myself. Um, Wrap it up to go. You're supposed to be having cake. I didn't want it. I lied. The cake was a lie. It made me a liar. Well, then you know what? As punishment, you can tell them about iTunes. 70 stars. <laughs> so, because you love us, you can go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us as many stars as you possibly can, and it helps with our visibility and it stokes our egos and we'll send as you if cake. as if they need to be stoked. And no, we will not send you cake because it's summer and it well, it's getting cool now. I think this counts as fall. We'll send them ice cream cake. That will definitely melt. We'll eat the cake in your stead, and it will be fine. Yay! I like that idea. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah, we'll tell you, we'll tell you how your piece of cake was. It was delicious. You're telling us from the future? Cake is delicious! <laughs> so yeah, iTunes. Leave review. Many stars. Thank you in advance. 70. 70 stars. Many stars. And a bird. And a bird. And chirpy bird. The birdie is happy. Well, the bird's happy because it just went to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast and, and got a new coffee mug. Yeah, that it can sleep in. <laughs> or an apron. Yeah, that it can sleep in. <laughs> or a t shirt. That it can sleep in. A t shirt with our faces on it. Yeah, so you can get all kinds of awesome melting podcast swag. It's going to be updated. It's on my to do list, guys. So it is going to happen, I promise. You will see more melting podcast swag that you can Someday buy for yourself. There'll be more stuff. That's all. Okay, great. So shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast. And finally, if you want to go above and beyond, you can go to patreon.com slash patronize us. Patreon.com slash ahfgrappin and patronize us. Be our patrons. Patronize. Yeah. So you can patronize us <laughs> with dollars donated per episode um, that helps us with web hosting, upgrading recording equipment. Helps us work towards our goal of eventually paying contributors. Paying contributors. God, that is the dream. For the contributors. Being, well, just being a paying market. Yeah. It would be so great. Um, Yeah, we need your help for that. And do the thing. The thing. Speaking of doing the thing, if you don't have any dollars, but you have ideas ideas and letters and words and a vocabulary put them together preferably english because i don't understand anything else but german and please don't send me a story in german talking to you spurnow spurnow yeah yeah and you know what uh nico if you're listening i don't know if you're listening yet (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so five thousand words or less for a main ingredient story these can be on any topics just no erotica please We've had stories that run the gamut from fantasy, science fiction, uh, urban fantasy, horror. We, we do all kinds of stuff. Comedy. Oh, such good comedy. And if you want to write something really short, Stoke the Fire Stories, 1,500 words or less, based on one of our two prompts. Now, this first prompt, this is your last month to do it. It expires at the end of September. 
It's perishable. It's, yes. Because it is prompt number 12, write a story featuring some kind of mystic cheese. The cheese is going to expire. You don't so want... write about it now while it's still fresh in your mind. Oh, God. And, <laughs> and prompt number 13, which I'll go ahead and warn you, is going away at the end of the year. So you've got plenty of time left to write about corn. Um, that was prompt number 13. Where did the corn go? And we've already had a few answers to that. Like the stories we just listened today. to today. Yeah. But yeah, we need more. But we need more answers because there's still more corn. Corn is so much fun to, to, to read and write about. So is cheese. Yeah. Corn ones. and cheese. I mean, come on, people. Yeah. Cheesy. How corn. could you not be inspired the, by corn and cheese? Corn and cheese. They just describe our show. It's corny. It's cheesy. It's us. Yeah. And we like food. Yeah. So but you know what I like better? Birthdays? Words. Words are great. We have a consensus. <laughs> Amen. All right. I, I didn't realize we were a religious kitchen. We're, we're, no. Okay. Well, I think we're about done here. Okay. What should they do, Aaron? Um, adore me? Yes, and you know, wish us a happy belated birthday. Happy belated birthday to us. And what else should they do? Send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. <laughs>